Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bowls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerlund of 670 The Score. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network as well for all your NBA and NFL needs every day. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls. And if your company is interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 54, then your company should be advertising right here on our show. Our audience is 95% male, and 78% of our audience is between the ages of 18 and 44. Recent surveys have shown that the podcast listeners are 65% more willing to consider purchasing products they learned about from podcasts, and 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Our rates are reasonable, so make sure you email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com with any inquiries. Uh, Cody, that's not the way you expected this game to go, is it? Because I certainly did not see a blowout of Oklahoma City on the road coming. Bulls, 128. Thunder, 100. At Chesapeake Bay Arena in Oklahoma City. And that's a great start to a six-game road trip for the Bulls. A game that we brought it to you here first with our predictions. We didn't think they were going to win. The Bulls came out, and they shot the basketball really well. Jimmy Butler, absolutely brilliant. He had 28 points on 11 of 17 field goals. Five assists, but he just controlled the whole basketball game. Even, I mean, he could have had like eight or ten assists if his teammates had knocked down a few more shots, but he was just absolutely brilliant. The Bulls shot 62% in the second quarter, a scorching 75%. In the third quarter, when they outscored the Thunder 39-26 to to put away a game that was an eight-point game at halftime. And just like we all predicted, the Bulls back to 500, 25-25, as we sit 50 games into the year. And this was one of their most complete performances of the year, Sean. This was incredibly impressive. Now, we have to offer a couple of caveats here. One is that the Thunder were on the second night of a back-to-back after playing in San Antonio last night. The other is that the Thunder were missing Enos Cantor, who destroyed yeah. the Bulls in their last matchup. Yeah, he also destroyed his forearm punching a metal chair. Don't it's do not that great. at home, folks. Not Never great. Never recommend punching things that are metal. That's almost as good uh, as that. I don't think the Bulls, no one in the NBA, no one in the NBA the whole rest of the year has to apologize for the Thunder, or cite caveats of the Thunder not having Ennis Cantor. Because he's an idiot for punching that chair. <laughs> so if you're an idiot, look, that's not unfortunate. That's not unfortunate, Ennis Cantor punching the chair and breaking his hand. That's just him being an idiot. So it's, 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 I'm okay It's with almost it. at the level of Amari Stoudemire lacerating his hand by punching a fire extinguisher. Remember that a couple of years ago? I don't remember that. This was, like, this was like 2013 or 2000. No, this was 2012 because this was the okay. insanity year. Uh, it was during the playoff series with the Heat, I believe. Yeah, it was with the Heat. Okay. And he was he punched a, a fi- through the glass of a fire extinguisher out of frustration, and then he missed the rest of the series because he cut his hand so badly. Oh, man. I didn't know how that slipped my mind, but that's an absolute all-time act of immaturity. Do you remember it? Well, the, my, fav- my all-time favorite, there, there was some pitcher in baseball 
who injured his hand playing Guitar Hero one year. Do you remember this? Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, Carlos Sambrano of the Cubs once got, like, wrist pain so bad because he would spend hours and hours on, like, AOL and AIM and chat rooms and stuff, <laughs> right. like, 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> that, like, he missed a start a time or two, but I'm trying to think... I do remember that story. I don't. I mean, we we shouldn't. It's not a good look generally to make fun of injuries and make light of injuries because you never want to see anybody get hurt. But some of these, like it, like Edis Cater punching a chair, like he just brought that on himself. Yeah, and Carlos Boozer, <laughs> like didn't he? He was like lifting, right? He was lifting by, like, a bag. This was his first year with the Bulls. He broke I his hand and missed like the first fell down the two months of the season. Lifting a bag or something that goes right up there with. Chris Sale, like, breaking his toe or something when he was unloading the bed of his pickup truck or whatever. Like, I don't know where they make these stories up, but we know what Ennis Cantor did because it was on video. But, uh, yeah, fortunate for the Bulls, he wasn't playing. Um, the Bulls won the rebounding battle, too, but, I mean, only had nine turnovers. The, the thing of this night was their offense just humped, 128 points. That's just phenomenal for them. Again, nine turnovers, 25 assists. Like, this team is, you can never predict what they're going to do. And it's nights like these. Look, the Thunder aren't a force, a reckoning no, of a basketball team. They're not team, nearly as good as they were last year, a basketball team with a top four player in the NBA. And Steven Adams is really good down low. And the Bulls just handled them all night. And again, I thought this was Jimmy Butler's best game. I know he scored, what, 52 on the Hornets, yeah. I think. And he has three other 40-point games, I think, off the top of my head. I thought this might have been even better, to be honest, because he went out there, he had nine points in the first quarter, played efficient basketball, and he was all over Russ at the start. I think Russ was 0 of 5 or maybe 1 of 6, something along those lines in the first quarter with Jimmy guarding him. Like Jimmy made it really tough for Russ Westbrook all night, and I should note that, yes, Jimmy did guard Russ almost the entire game because last time the Bulls and Thunder played, Michael Carter-Williams was in the rotation, so he drew a lot of that assignment early on, and that's also the night that Jimmy Butler left the game a little early with the flu and went home early. Uh, this time, Michael Carter-Williams has fallen out of the rotation, and putting Jaron Grant on Russ Westbrook uh, isn't wise. Fred Hoiberg made a good coaching decision. The Bulls coaching staff just put Jimmy on him, and it worked great. I mean, Russ shot 10 of 23. He still got 28 points. Like That's what he does, always. But it wasn't efficient. And the Thunder offense was a little jagged early, in large part because of Jimmy's defense. And just the way he can... He made so many good basketball plays. He did. And this is... I mean, it's the, it's the kind of thing I would have to go through, like, all of his really good games in this season to decide whether I think this is his best game of the season. But it's such a big ask for him to uh, contribute on the offensive end efficiently and guard a player that's about as unguardable as anybody in the league in Russell Westbrook right now. Like, that, like that's a guy, like... Yeah, like, even though he, you know, Jimmy played really good defense on him, he still scored 28 points. Like, that's, mm. like, it, Russ is the kind of guy that's just going to get his points and you have to make him work for it. And Jimmy made him work for it, and he shot 11 of 17 from the field on, on the other end, 28 points by himself. So, I think you really couldn't ask for a more complete game from Jimmy. The thing that shocked me about this, and I, I don't want to say shock because this is what the Bulls do, but we just talked about how great their offense was and how efficient their offense was. They shot 60.5%. Well, it's not just that. They still only made six three-pointers on the night, so it wasn't like they put up all these points and it was some aberration where these guys who don't hit threes suddenly hit threes. They only hit six threes on the night, which is about standard for them. Yeah, and I mean, Dwayne Wade, it should be shouted out, had a good game too. 18 yeah. points on 7 of 12 field goals, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, and like 
7 of 12 from the field. He got going a little bit there, kind of in the middle quarters um, for the Bulls. But like, he took, like, three really dumb shots, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, every good shot Dwayne Wade took in this game, like, he was just on point and efficient, you know? And I guess, I mean, when your team's cooking, you know, like, you can get away with those. That's that's fine and everything. But this is something for the Bulls. And, like, Jimmy's something else, too. Like, in post-game, post-game, we got tweets coming in from uh, a good friend, Vinny Goodwill at CSN Chicago is quoting Jimmy Butler as saying, quote, in the words of Harvey Dent, you either die a hero or live long enough to be a villain. That's Jimmy's just filling it up. Absolutely. I I mean, one other note I wanna I wanna kind of put in about this game itself, because we have some other stuff we want to get to, because you know, there's 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 some stuff that's happened with the Bulls in the last couple days. Jaron Grant played well. Well, yeah, Jaron Grant was pretty good, but uh this is this is the first uh, game of a six game road trip. You don't want you know your main guys to get tired. Jimmy Butler only played thirty minutes tonight. He didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Dwayne Wade played a little bit in the fourth quarter, but he still only played twenty four minutes on the night. It's good that those two didn't have to overexert themselves in this game, and they were able to keep their minutes low. And the bench was able to not blow the lead and was able to you know hold it down and get it done because I think that's going to be good because that's going to preserve their energy going forward because that Houston game on Friday is going to be crazy in terms of they, a lot of energy. very fast team they have a lot of guys that are going to have to guard Jimmy his you know he did a pretty good job on Russ tonight and what's his next move oh he has to go to guard James Harden that's going to be no easier what the Bulls ask of Jimmy <laughs> on a night-to-night basis and we're going to get to this a little more here later in the podcast is just just incredible at this point there's the efficiency and the consistency with which he does it. I know he had the worst game of his season and one of the worst of his career against the Heat after that emotional Friday right. last week where the Bulls snipe each other on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, on social media, in front of the microphones, cameras, whatever it was, they were basically doing it, it seemed like. Uh, it was bad then, but I mean, I can every single other night this year, he's pretty much been at least good and usually great and sometimes sensational and top-five worthy um, on a nightly basis sometimes. So what he's doing, again, incredible. You should really enjoy it because Jimmy Butler, like, just you could see the maturation in his game. There were three straight possessions where, like, he drew three defenders and there was, like, an obvious pass to make, and he took, like, one more dribble or waited one more count to put his shoulder down to get a better angle for a different pass for an easy bucket for Chris Felicio. He got Nico Miritich a wide-open three-pointer. He stole the ball from Russ Westbrook on one play. Russ came back down and swatted him, the ball, and Jimmy into, like, the camera uh, bay of photographers right there on the sideline. Jimmy comes back up, gives his teammates a fist bump, and then goes back out and just plays efficient basketball. You know, like, this is the attitude he needs to play with, and he needs to play like this, too, with this attitude even when they're losing and struggling a little more, his teammates, I should say, because he always brings it pretty much. Right. Um, they did make, I believe it was Doris Burke made that good point on the ESPN telecast. She does a great job. But Russ never, ever gets emotional or shows up his teammates or gets down in any regard on the floor, like gets mad. He just channels it into himself, you know? Like Jimmy maybe needs... That's part of the leadership, maybe out there. I would say. And by the way, shout out to Doris Burke because she is a confirmed Locked On Podcast Network listener. She said the other day, 
in a pod in a in a broadcast that she was doing with the Rockets that uh, she listens that whenever she's doing a game she listens to the Locked On podcast of that team. Oh, she probably listened to our last. episode. She probably listened to our last. I episode. hope our last episode was epic. And I hope it was very our greatest episode ever. I hope so. Doris. You should see the episodes we tape as practice episodes before we actually click record. Those are the right, cause, best. Right, you 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 come over to my place usually, yes. and we sit you we sit on the couch watching the game, and we talk about this stuff. And a lot of it is kind our, of like wor- yeah, versions our, that we kind of work through. Our of, practice episodes, the best, especially we in, when we have bad podcasts. Our practice episodes come back the best of the year. We're not we're not like Dwayne Wade, where we uh, t- pick and choose which days we practice and which days we don't. Once uh, once we, you. Uh, so, Once you hang out around the Bulls long enough, you can't help but make practice. Shout out to, so Doris, Doris, if you're listening to this or the next episode you listen to, if you ever want to come on, hit us up. We would love to have you on as a guest. That's uh, that's something else. But uh, yeah, I want to point out too, last point from this game. I'm I'm on Optimus Island for Jaron Grant to steal a line, I think, from Zach Lowe, who might have stolen it from someone else. But when it comes to, to Optimist Island in any regard, well, he was topic, well. That was Lockout Optimist Island, which ended up being correct. But well, I feel like I'm kind of isolated sometimes on Jaron Grant Island because I still believe in him, like as a starter or as a backup. No, as as a but now see now you're answering or asking hard questions that I can't answer yet. Uh, no, I don't envision as an NBA rotation player. Yes, and as being useful, helpful. I think it's worth again off day, maybe All Star break, off season, like a bigger episode on what he can be. Obviously, sure. when I can think about it more too. But I know he's been struggled for long stretches this year. But I still like how he attacks the hoop, and in this night, he was able to knock down some mid range jumpers. Which again, even if the Bulls aren't sharpshooters from three point range, like. Just knocking down open jumpers, even when Jimmy draws that defense mid-range, can be very helpful. And, uh, again, I like his mindset. I, I think if he just gets immersed more with, honestly, some better coaching, better consistency and continuity in learning to play off Jimmy, I think he can be very, very helpful and uh, help push that, that Rose trade in favor of the Bulls uh, more, which we were talking about. We should break down some other time. Yeah, um, but the Bulls—they've liked what they've got out of Robin Lopez. But the big deal of the day, actually, Sean. Yeah, you want to talk? Wasn't about so the... much the game, but Jimmy Butler story going around from Ryan Rosillo, ESPN Radio. This was on—I believe this was on Mike and Mike that he told. I believe story. he yes, he has his own show, but he said this on Mike and Mike, and he relayed the story that in October 2014, when Jimmy Butler. And the Bulls had an option to agree to an extension before the deadline coming off his rookie-scale contract. The Bulls offered a four-year deal worth a reported $44 million. Uh-huh. Which I've heard before was the number they offered. Yep. And Jimmy basically politely said, no, I'm going to go out and bet on myself. He did. You know he got a max contract, five years, $92, 93000000 million there. And according to Ryan Rossillo, story going around, the Bulls, someone from the Bulls' front office threatened that if Jimmy didn't sign the four-year $44 million deal, they were going to give more of his minutes to Tony Snell to suppress his production and therefore leverage and value on the restricted free agency market the following summer. Rosillo said this story with a lot of confidence, pointing out it can be viewed through many different viewpoints probably, and the Bulls would obviously deny it. But it is quite something because... I don't know. I can't confirm it. Cannot verify it myself. I don't know that you can, John. I can't. But if 
that is true or there was an underlying message of that or a hint of that, it is awful business. It's not great. And by the way, Jimmy didn't exactly deny it. Yes. Uh, this, this is morning. Important. This is, this is, uh, this, I'll read, I'm going to read the full quote here. This is uh, also from Vinnie Goodwill, who was at shoot around this morning in Oklahoma City when reporters asked uh, Jimmy about this. He posted the transcription. So here's what it says I'll tell it to you like this. That shit happened so long ago that I didn't think it was a matter of anything. We went into contract negotiations. I said I would hoop and play the year out. I did that, had a decent little year. We won't go into detail about what was said, what wasn't said. It's not anybody's business. We got a deal done. I thought it was a fair deal. That's that. But for anybody to say this or say that, I don't know. To tell you the truth, I don't remember what went on. My agent was in there handling the majority of it. And then my main thing was to just worry about basketball so that I can, can't can tell you what was said or what wasn't. One, because it was so long ago. And two, because it ain't y'all business anyways. So that was a very long non-denial. What do you read into that? I read into it. He didn't it. deny it. <laughs> he it should say be. Lucilla also used the words, quote, incredible animosity. And this, uh, there is also, we should point out a report today from uh, Joe Cowley at the Sun-Times that kind of uh, piggybacked off of the Rosillo stuff and basically said that uh, Jimmy had, you know, has a lot of problems with the front office and that he has warn teammates about not saying stuff in front of uh, Randy Brown, one of the assistant coaches, because he... Has is, ties to the front office. Because he's the one that kind more of... more attached the, to the front office and the coaching staff. The eyes and ears of the front office, and that he's, you know, has confided in Dwayne Wade that, you know, this is the kind of stuff he has to deal with. Uh, I don't have any... I haven't done enough of my own reporting to really confirm or refute any of this, but, I mean, would would this... I mean, given, given the way that this front office has handled kind of other people like you know like the way they kind of leaked stuff about tom thibodeau before they ran him out of time would would, they, would any of this surprise you if it was true i don't think anything the bulls can do anymore really surprises me and the thing that uh the thing we should point out also in the joe Callie report the part that he refuted from the Rosillo uh story was that management went to tom thibodeau with this plan because by that point, the relationship between Tom and the front office had so deteriorated that they weren't really having much say in what he was doing. And I'm just trying to imagine how that conversation would go with Gar Foreman going to Tom and saying, Hey, what do you think about giving some of Jimmy Butler's minutes to Tony Snell so that we can depress Jimmy's uh, free agent value? How, 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 do you think, how do you think that goes over with Tom? Well, Rosillo reported that once Tibbs got wind of it, he just brushed it off and played Jimmy as normal. Right. 30... <laughs> What, seven, eight minutes usually sure. under Tibbs? Um, so Tibbs, for whatever case, didn't buy into that. Clearly, you wouldn't expect him to uh, as a front office. There are reasons in which you could say don't play this player uh, if it's in their best interest for health. That's certainly one of them. That's certainly something we've seen. To depress their market value is just wrong. And it should be noted, Casey Johnson of the Tribune did report that even Butler's camp denied that that was the nature of the conversation regarding that. Uh, they did not put it in those terms. Do get the sense that no matter what, there is obviously a discord between Jimmy Butler and the front office, which I think is probably the most important thing here. Jimmy is also quoted as saying his relationship with Gar Foreman and John Paxson is good, but and they talk like men when they need to, basically. And it's professional. Yeah, and it's professional. But again, I go back to the Bulls again, time and again. Uh, I shouldn't say time and again, but at least three or four occasions, Bulls management has had the opportunity to say, 
Jimmy Butler is our franchise player. He's the face of the franchise. We are building around him. He's the cornerstone of our future. And they have not done that, have not said that on the record. And you can make the argument that he's a max contract player and the actions of the Bulls there and giving him that money is what matters most, which obviously it does. But at the same time, they have not publicly backed him as the guy to get behind. And I can see that bothering Jimmy too. Absolutely. In this burgeoning stardom. Because just saying that once can go a long ways, and they haven't said it. And hell, if you want to say it and still trade him later, I have no problem with it. You know what I mean? It's a bad look to not come out publicly and say that this guy who's a top, arguably a top 10 player in the league and has gotten better every year the last few years... Is your it's it's it, it's you you have to at least pay and, lip service to it. Yeah, and I understand. Like I guess when we asked him at the end of last season when the Bulls missed the playoffs in disappointing fashion, this was right after they missed the playoffs, so maybe their heads were. Yeah, really... like and he was probably most people said he was what like a top twenty player at that point. And right, now we're saying like top ten fringe so, MVP candidate. Even so now now I understand, but I mean they could have. And the, the could have taken questions the other day. Said he's John Paxson has had a radio did, interview. Yeah. Bar they spoke before I guess training camp before the season started. But, like, they've had their opportunities, and I don't think, I mean, I don't know, I mean, just common sense-wise, Jimmy can't look at the last five NBA drafts and be like, oh, the front office is really killing it. He knows as well as anyone he has to play with these guys who are inconsistent or off the team by now, and Jimmy's smart, like, talking about that passing earlier, like, just the way he sees the floor, he's becoming, I think, a smarter basketball player before our eyes, and he's in my opinion, has always been sharp regarding... He hasn't gotten his message across in the right way all the time, but he's always seemed like a very bright individual to me off the court. Always understanding, I think, of everything around the league and his experience on Team USA and the Olympics. Like, I think he has a pretty good grasp and feel throughout the league. Just storylines in general, just the purveying. Like, he showed up at the Advocate Center on draft night five minutes after the Bulls picked Denzel Valentine Seven minutes after his name was being thrown around, and trade he acted numbers. like he'd never heard of the trade yeah, like, like he like, knows, like he knows everything. There, and I like, I also, saying? I also like that he said in the in his comments this morning at Shooter that he doesn't remember what was talked about. Do you think a guy like Jimmy Butler, who was the thirtieth pick in the draft and not a high recruit, and got where he got by outworking everybody and defying expectations and decided to better himself? You think he got where he is by not remembering stuff <laughs> like that that people say about him? Because he's I don't remembered mind. things. Every level, every step of the way. So, I don't know, like, I can't sit here, no one's ever going to know the exact nature of that conversation, and, look, Priscillo is, he's in tight with a lot of NBA people, really bright guy, um, it was more, there is a difference at times, I think, a radio report or story being passed along than, like, a full-scale this in the tribute, right? Because when, right, or because ESPN. or even on ESPN.com, because like any of these any of these outlets, yeah. when you're publishing a report like that and you're using sources, you have to. Because I've I've worked at major outlets before yeah. where you have to where they're you know dealt with sources and stuff. You have to vet it through certain editors and, have, and get approval yeah. and that stuff. You can't just run with something. Higher on air industry is just a little more lax in right. the way you approach topics because opinion gets. Uh, mixed in with fact, but Rosillo's also the blur. Rosillo's also a guy that isn't just making stuff up, and I feel yeah. like he wouldn't throw something out there if he wasn't confident that there was something to it. He knows, he knows his NBA too. So look, um, read into it what you want. I read into it that yes, there's 
still a degree of mistrust and just skepticism from Jimmy Butler regarding the Bulls front office like there is with, with anyone else, and he's just in the center of this. You know, he's in the center uh, of that fire, and he gets more frustrated than anyone else because he has to deal with being a top-10 NBA player and a team that honestly isn't built around him very well No, right now. Uh, I don't know what this means for trade discussions. Like, there's varying opinions on this. I mean, I read a lot. You read a lot. Um, we talk to as many people as we can. We know quite a few media members across the landscape, too, coming through Chicago. And there's varying opinions on whether Jimmy Butler could be traded by the February 23rd deadline, whether he will be traded on draft week, or whether the Bulls realize they have a top-10 NBA player and are just going to hang on to him. The, the very wide-ranging my opinion. My guess, I think it's not going to happen at the deadline, but I think that it's a greater chance than I would have said a couple weeks ago of it happening in the Yeah, offseason. everything that's happened. Yeah. I don't think they'll do it at the deadline because I think they still want to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and I mean, I think Jimmy's going to perform this way the rest of the year. Yeah. And after he does, um, well, I mean, you can and make the argument even... his trade value on February 22nd of this year will be higher than it will ever be at any other point in his career. But... That is probably 100% true. Yeah. Because you would get the rest of this year to make a playoff run with him, get the next two years, correct? So you'd have three playoff yeah. stabs with him on a really team-friendly contract in today's era when he's a top-ten player playing his best basketball. So I think his value goes down a tad, obviously, if you trade him on draft week because that's one fewer playoff push the team getting him is guaranteed. But at the same time, his value is still going to be so high at that point in this offseason on draft week. So, again, that's that's probably worth eight podcast episodes in the offseason. Right, and we, luckily, luckily we're going to have a whole week of all-star break go, right, leading up to the trade deadline, yeah. so we'll have plenty of time to talk about all of this. Hot takes all day, all day on the latest rumors uh, and such. I'm trying to think, did we miss anything else in this Jimmy Butler uh, drama in this Bulls off court. It's not Jimmy Butler drama. I mean, it's not. His it's just fault. ongoing it's, Bulls. It's, it's drama off court Bulls that's stuff. Like been and, constant for. Oh yeah, I think Jimmy handled it well. If, if he if he wants to claim amnesia, that's his right. You know, like he doesn't need the he doesn't need to spill the beans on that sure. whatsoever at all. Um, I thought he's he's taken a high road. He has in all discussions regarding the front office and Fred Hoiberg this year. I think right. I don't think he's criticized Fred this year. No, in Dwayne fact, he's Wade gone out of his way not to. Yeah, Dwayne Wade has criticized him for late-game play calling. Uh, but Dwayne no Wade is also Dwayne Wade and can do whatever he wants. They both torched their teammates, which we spent a good three days talking about with you guys. Right. Um, but Jimmy's Jimmy's held the, the front office publicly. The, uh, the outward face has held them in high esteem and handled it very well. The Bulls continue their road trip in Houston. On Friday night, then they have a couple off days. We'll be in Sacramento. Sean will be in Sacramento. I'm picking up the road trip in Sacramento. I'm doing the Kings and the Warriors games next week, and then I'm coming back to Chicago for a couple days, and then I'm going out to Minnesota for the last game of the trip. So, so stay tuned for when we'll have episodes. We have ideas. We we're working on. We're working on locking in stone. We're working on nailing down guests and contingency plans for various things. We'll have content for you in the next little bit. Yeah. Do our best. Yeah, we'll, we'll practice. It's a lot harder. Minutes tonight. It's a, you know it's harder to co- now. You know this this is the first year that I'm like 
going to some of these road games. Fair so share. it's a lot Fair harder share. to coordinate some of this stuff. But we, you know, we do our best because we we're committed. We want to bring you guys this content. It's for sure. And uh, you can follow Sean on Twitter with his hot takes and updated breaking information. At Hiken, myself at Cody Westerlin. Locked on Bulls is at Locked on Bulls. We'll keep you updated there when we plan to record an episode. Uh, find us on Facebook at Locked on Bulls. Um, what else? Email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com with any advertising inquiries. I want to give a quick question. I want to give a quick company plug to check out the Athletics app. Just to, just go to the, the iTunes or Google Play uh, app stores and search The Athletic and download it. And if you're a subscriber, we just have this new feature that we just unveiled yesterday or a couple days ago. They can ago. grade you guys after you grade the team? No, they, other people can grade. They can't grade us as the writers, but they can grade... Oh, I think they should grade you guys like writers like Uber. You know what I mean? That's what they should do. Oh, I mean, that would be hilarious. I would get only five star ratings. Obviously. You would get yeah, just like they John Greenberg. John Greenberg would get like two stars, maybe. Uh, <laughs> just like just like you guys can leave a five star review. Shout out but, to our podcast. Like they should grade every article of yours one through five. But yeah, so we do uh, on the athletic. We do player grades for all the different teams after every game. Usually, Stefan No and Will Gottlieb handle those for the Bulls. But now they're kind of in this cool format in the app where you can swipe through them, and then you can also leave your own grades one through five stars for the different players for the games. I already have a feeling how this is going to go. Like, Jimmy's always going to get five stars, pretty much. Chris Felicia is going to be a five-star guy every night. Paul and Zipser. Nico's always going to get, like, one star. Even if Nico scores, Rondo like, 14 might, points, Rondo, he'll get one star. Rondo might, might, is going to get three stars because he's got his, his people who yeah, cape for yeah. him and people who absolutely hate him. It's great. Like, I mean, Rondo's rating, would have people would have been, like, emailing <laughs> asking for seven-star ratings after his... Uh, Absolutely incendiary that, Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that can you, I wonder if you can rate fast. guys' uh, social media skills. Like, do you give do you give yeah. Isaiah Cannon five stars with a hashtag free sip after the Wade comments? What well, I would I would go Rondo and then maybe and maybe Isaiah Cannon. Um, Jaron Grant's using it for useful reasons to remember that he's to here to win. Get some stuff puts, off. Puts yeah, the, get the stuff off his chest. I mean, that's what social Dwayne Wade would get for. a little bit lower because he tries too hard. Uh, his Snapchat game would be ranked probably higher than his Twitter game. I, I would, think so. I would say I for so. for that, but uh, I'm sure he'll have some some good snaps and tweets from the road because it's a long road trip for the Bulls. Six game road trip. They start off on the right note. They are currently 25 and 25, sitting solo seventh in the East with a two game cushion because the, yeah. because the uh, Hornets the got destroyed by the Warriors tonight, so they have a full two game lead over the Hornets for the. Well, seven. we should say there's still a couple minutes left in that game, but we're pretty confident when it was like a 32 point game that they were going <laughs> to hold on when we started recording this. So uh, the Bucks are one and nine in their last ten two. They're really getting middle, sliding down. They're now. getting Chris Middleton back th- though soon. I saw a tweet from Charles Gardner today that he did full contact practice. So. Boy, do they need him! And yeah. boy, is that going to make the race for seventh and eighth in. The East lit, but as always, please do subscribe to our podcast as well. And thanks for listening. That's right. You can make sure you find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a five star review. Tell your friends subscribe. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network: Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Locked On NFL Draft. All 30 NBA teams have their own podcast. Check out Locked on Thunder tonight with Fred Katz to get his perspective on this game. Check out Locked on Rockets to get kind of their preview of the game on Friday. 
all 32 NFL teams have their own Locked On podcast as well. Uh, check out Locked On Patriots and Locked On Falcons to get ready for the Super Bowl uh, this weekend. Check out the other 30 NFL podcasts to get ready for the draft in a few months. And we will be back with you soon uh, to be announced. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.